as I do every once in a while, I'm throwing in an extra episode. This is a replay of one of the bonus episodes from the end of season three. If you want an extra episode every week, every Friday, you can become an Apple Podcast subscriber. That's only $3.99 a month. Or if you want to support the show even more, you can become a Patreon member and those levels are five, 10 or $25 a month. And that really helps support this show. So what do you get when you do the extra episodes? Well, this is an example. This is an episode reading from friends and family of alcoholics on the chapter, the family disease of alcoholism. And it's the section on the part we play. As I do with these Al-Anon book studies, I am reading the section and then I'm reflecting on it in my own life and how it applies to soul recovery, how we can use these tools, how we can use these insights to turn the attention to ourselves and follow a spiritual path to a happy and healthy life. Enjoy the episode. And if you want more, go to the show notes below, click to be a Patreon member or Apple podcast subscriber. Thanks for supporting Recover Your Soul. My name is Reverend Rachel Harrison, and this is the Recover Your Soul podcast, a spiritual path to a happy and healthy life. I started Recover Your Soul after having profound changes in my life from my recovery of alcoholism, control addiction, and codependency. I was guided to share the tools and principles of spirituality and soul recovery to help others transform their lives as mine was transformed. For us to overcome external circumstances, we must first turn the attention to ourselves, focusing on inner change. Positive results in our lives will follow. As a spiritual coach, I can support you on your path to make deep and real changes that will bring you a life of peace, happiness, connection, and abundance. Visit the website recoveryoursoul.net to book coaching sessions, read the blog, listen to some of my original music, and subscribe to receive email updates. I think of Recover Your Soul as a community. Follow us on social media, join the private Facebook group, and even our monthly soul recovery support group on Zoom to support each other and connect. For an extra episode each week and to support the podcast, become a Patreon member or subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Together, we can do the work that will recover your soul. I haven't read from any Al-Anon literature lately, and as we're coming to the end of season three, I thought that I would do that. So I kind of just flipped through a couple things, and I ended up landing on how Al-Anon works for friends and families of alcoholics. And I've done um, a few readings from this book, but I started reading The Family Disease of Alcoholism and was really inspired to read The Part We Play. And I think it's such a fascinating couple pages. It's a little longer than normally I would read for a single podcast. And I was trying to decide, should I pick some parts and not other parts? And in the end, I just said, you know, it's such great topic that you can't pick anything out. Let's just dig into it. And the episode will be as long as it is. This is from Friends and Family of Alcoholics. It is chapter six, The Family Disease of Alcoholism, the first section in that called The Part We Play. And as usual, I will just comment along as it refers to my life and especially to soul recovery and how it could be helpful to you. Awareness begins by learning about the family disease of alcoholism. 
Everyone in an alcoholic relationship, friends, coworkers, family members, as well as the alcoholic, plays a part in the dynamic of this disease. In order to make any changes in our circumstances, we must try to discover the part we play. In general, alcoholics act and we, who are involved with them, react. The active alcoholic gets drunk, behaves irrationally or irresponsibly, and becomes the center of attention. Those around him or her react to the drinking and its consequences. In a state of intoxication, the alcoholics aren't worried about the problem their actions are creating. Instead, those around the alcoholics worry for them. We believe we must take on the responsibility of doing for the alcoholics what they seem unable or unwilling to do for themselves. I think this is so interesting because I think about how quickly in my own life, I started to, especially for, I'm going to say my son, Alex, because Rich and I were drinkers of our own way of being. It was really my codependency and my trying to do for really jumped in when I was trying to help my son. And it is interesting when people are using, they don't have any care in the world, really. They're like completely taken over by the addiction and we're watching and afraid of the consequences that are going to happen in their lives. We're worried about it. We're responding. And I often say that it's almost like we get caught up in their movie, that they have their movie, we have our movie, and we are the actors in our own movie. But then all of a sudden we start watching somebody else's movie and we respond to it and we want it to be different. And so we jump in and become a player in that movie, trying to change the consequences, trying to not have it be as big of a deal for them, trying to worry for them, trying to fix it. So I think it's such a great start to this, to really understand that they're acting and we are reacting. And that's the beginning of making a change. It goes on to say, in the beginning, many of us are genuinely concerned and merely want to help a relative or a friend who's obviously not well. But as time passes and the situation worsens, we cease to recognize that we all have a choice in the matter. I'm going to read that again. As time passes and the situation worsens, we, we cease to recognize that we have a choice in the matter, right? We're like in their movie. We're playing the part in their movie. We forget that we have our own movie. In fact, the choices available to some of us in the past were quite limited. Those who grew up around alcoholism or dealt with abuse may have felt forced to take certain actions on the alcoholic's behalf for the sake of their own safety. Eventually, even when no real danger exists, most of us have come to believe that our help is imperative whether we want to offer it or not. The alcoholic becomes more and more dependent, right? We set up this situation where we do for them and then they cannot do for themselves because they have become dependent on us. After a while, we can't imagine allowing the alcoholic to sleep through another day of work without calling in sick or allowing another bounce check to be ignored. It becomes more desirable to stay home than to risk another public humiliation. And many of us can't stand the tension of waiting for the consequences of the drinking to manifest. We feel compelled to intervene. Oh my gosh, again, just sort of thinking of Alex about how 
my trying to help him and save him in the end made it so that he was less and less able to do for himself. And he's always been really nervous and had a lot of anxiety when it comes to making phone calls or appointments, or there was even when he was younger time that he couldn't order his own food at a restaurant. He he had this level of anxiety. And it's interesting that I watch now how I played into that as a parent trying to relieve his anxiety. And then when he found drugs and alcohol as a way to relieve his anxiety, and he started to get out of control around it, I can see that I had started even before he was using to set up a situation where he didn't trust himself to do for himself. And it was really hard to just allow the consequences to happen. And there were some consequences that we, as parents, as adults of a young person who can't make some of those decisions for themselves when they were younger, definitely intervened. But now as an adult, and he's an adult, and Rich is an adult, and so those are my qualifiers, I am much better at waiting and being in the tension, allowing myself to notice the tension that I feel and the fear that I feel for what the consequences may be and trusting and knowing that that is not my responsibility to fix it for them, that I have to let them have those experiences and that I can I can be with myself. I can hold myself accountable to take care of myself so that they can have their own experience. So I'm not as compelled to intervene as I used to. It goes on to say, alcoholics act and we react. No one can tell a drinker anything. He or she calls all the shots. Oh my goodness, isn't that so true? I know when I was an active drinker, there were definitely times as well where I can recognize my self-serving, selfish, self-righteous attitude that came from when I was drinking. And so being on both sides of the coin, both an alcoholic and also an Al-Anon, it's interesting to read these. Alcohol fosters an exaggerated sense of confidence and well-being, prompting the drinker to act like little God with all the answers. At the time, the drinker becomes increasingly irrational. In response, we argue, trying to get him or her to see things more realistically. It becomes essential that we prove we are right. This is huge. This is huge because when you fight back, when you demand that you're trying to let them see what is true and real, When you are not in your right mind as a drinker like I was, there is absolutely nothing that somebody could do or say that would change how I thought. I was so self-righteous and selfish in my thinking. So we have to be cautious of what is our motivation? What are we going to get out of it? What do we think is going to come from this? How do we think this is going to help? Is this beneficial for the situation? Are we just arguing and proving ourselves in that situation? Or can we stop, quit battling, change the dynamic, do an interrupt of this pattern and make a different choice? It becomes important for us to realize that we have a choice. We have a choice in the part we play. 
And so you can watch somebody who is not doing well. They are drinking, they're actively drunk. Maybe they don't, aren't actively drunk, but they are clearly intoxicated. And we don't have to shame them. We don't have to argue with them. We don't have to prove that we're right and they're wrong. We can remove ourselves from the situation. We can take care of ourselves. We can know that there's no point in arguing. And if we need to have safety, we leave that situation entirely. We leave the house entirely. We leave the location entirely. What is it that is the best for you and your mental health and not trying to change them or make them see things differently? That's the key in that situation. As time passes, we continue to justify our own positions, yet in the face of the alcoholic's vehemence, we begin to doubt ourselves and our perceptions, right? Because you're trying to talk to somebody who isn't rationally thinking. There's no point in trying to talk to somebody who isn't rationally thinking. If the alcoholic has told us that the drinking is our fault because we're so noisy or so disobedient, we become compulsively quiet or strive to be perfect in obedience night and day, regardless of the cost to ourselves. Why are we jumping in and being in their crazy movie and trying to please somebody who isn't rationally thinking, who is in the grips of the demon of the addiction and of the disease, their mind is not right. And it is much easier when you are in a situation where you are sick to deflect what's going on by blaming the people around you than it is to admit your own stuff. So often people who are using will blame it on the people around us and we're the ones who want to help. So we take it as if it's truth, that if we could just be quieter, if we could just do this better, if we could just love them more, if we could just be perfect, that maybe they would change. They have a disease and they are completely in the grips of their addiction and it is powerful and it is horrendous and it isn't kind to anybody and it is not about you. It is about them And it's so painful to watch. In time, the more confident the alcoholic seems, the more insecure we become. We begin to agree even we know what's being said is wrong. We do whatever is demanded to avoid a conflict, knowing that we never seem to win any argument or convince the alcoholic that we are right. We lose the ability to say no. One of the things by not engaging in the battle by taking the weapons down and just letting them be in their own mess and in their own situation and not fighting back is not about losing your voice. To me, it's really important that you continue to maintain a voice and having strength of spirituality and strength of character and strength of who you are doesn't always mean that you have to be telling somebody what you think and feel but you know what you think and feel inside and you take responsibility for yourself and your feelings and your actions and your responses instead of reacting. That instead of allowing your self-esteem to be depleted, you are doing your soul recovery work so that you have clarity of mind to know when you participate in conversation and when you don't. It isn't about playing small. 
It's about being smart. And in situations where you know that you need to talk about something, that you choose the morning when they're not drinking, or you choose situations where you know that they're present, and then you begin to have clarity of what your part is for you and how you can talk to them about what you need without it being an attack or a victim statement. And then if they come back to you with all the stuff that they may come back to you with, you have a strength of character within yourself to know that that is the addict talking and not the human being that's lost inside. I want to help you not have the insecurity. And again, if you have somebody in your life who is an addict and I'm thinking friends, kids, family members, not necessarily a spouse, that you can make choices of what your interactions are with those people and really let go, especially with adult children, of what is yours to be responsible for, to allow them to have the situation that they're in so that it gets hard enough for them that they will want to do something about it. And unfortunately, so many alcoholics and so many addicts don't see it. They don't want to do anything about it. They don't want to look at it. They don't want to be happy. They don't want to be fixed. They don't want to be better. And that's really hard to watch. But you want to be fixed. You want to be healthy. You want to be better. And that's the only control that you have is to give it to yourself. And the greatest gift that you can give to anybody who is struggling is for you to be strong yourself so that there is some beacon of light that they can look at and they can say, wow, you used to be really full of anxiety and used to be really angry and bitter. And now you're happy. What is working for you? What's going on? And you can say, I started paying attention to myself. I turned the attention within And I've made big changes within who I am and how I react and respond to the world. And you can let them know about soul recovery or about recovery, but we're not pushing it on anybody and we're not trying to force anybody else to find the way. You found the way because you were ready and they'll find the way when they're ready. Now in marriages, This is so complicated because I work with a lot of you who live with an active drinker. Those of you that I work with, a lot of those people don't think that they have an issue. Their drinking isn't a problem to them. It is a problem to you. And they may not be raging and they are not getting DUIs or maybe they are. And they're not, you know, beating you or berating you day and night. But We are in this situation where we are in the movie of somebody else's addiction. And this is the most complex place to be because we need to hold our own regardless of whether you decide to stay or to not stay. You need to have the strength and the character of who you are doing your soul recovery work to not battle to allow them to have their own consequences, to not be angry all the time. And it's a lot of work to get there if you're going to choose to stay with somebody who is actively drinking, whether it's completely off the rails or just more than what feels comfortable to you. 
and then have the clarity in your own self at whatever time to decide, is this working for me? And the most important thing is for you to be turning the attention to yourself and what you want out of your life and not trying to change somebody else, not trying to become somebody that somebody else will love enough that they're willing to do something that they weren't willing to do right now, like quit drinking and do recovery. It goes on to say the same pattern holds true when alcoholics in our lives make promises they can't keep. For example, they promise not to miss another league game, business meeting, or dinner date. They swear that the next time they won't drink or stay out or night or get violent, they promise to exercise their willpower. They switch to beer, thinking the beer will have less power than hard alcohol. They throw out all the liquor in the house, only to be driven by the disease and compelled to find some form of alcohol and settle for mouthwash or cough syrup. And again, we react. Forgetting about hundreds of broken promises from the past, we believe that alcoholics can indeed control their drinking. We decide that everything is going to be different now. It's going to be better. Denying that our past experiences taught us, we count on these promises with all our hearts. And we set ourselves up for almost inevitable disappointment. And then when the alcoholic fails to control alcoholism, a disease which is quite beyond their control, we're devastated resentful and enraged. We see ourselves as helpless victims and fail to recognize that we have volunteered for that role by choosing to believe wholeheartedly in what we knew from experience would probably not happen. This is a really heartbreaking paragraph because being the addict and being in alcoholism and being in the throes of a disease is really really terrible. And there is that part of us that does want it to be different. We do want to make change. We do want to make promises. We do want it to be different. And yet, if there is not a truth inside of your depth of being that you want it to be different, and you're willing to go to whatever measures, whatever extremes to be better to be healthy, to do recovery, then in general, it's just an addiction laying in wait. Again, it comes back to the truth that the only control that you have is for yourself and your soul recovery and your ability to see this person as a human being who is struggling with a disease and what part of your life you want to have in it. And to support somebody like I'm supporting Rich in his re-effort to not drink. My gratitude in this situation is I'm less concerned about the drinking and I'm more concerned about the spiritual development and the growth as a human being. And I see that happening in him. I see him making an effort to find a new solution for what he was starting to dabble back in and drinking again. But one of the things that we do is we take it personally as if their slips are about us. And the truth is, their slips are about them. It's about their addiction, their internal situation with themselves, their hearts, their souls. Are they on soul recovery? Are they actually trying to 
get in there like you are and look at those aspects of yourself that need healing and heal them. Maybe they are, maybe they aren't. But ultimately, we don't have control of that either. So when we do our own work, when we connect with higher power for ourselves, when we are in union with the knowledge of the strength of who we are, and we're doing our internal work, then what's happening is their movie. We're participating in our movie and we're choosing what our movie is going to look like. Are we a comedy? Are we a rom-com? Are we in something that's a beautiful documentary of space or nature? That would be mine, space and nature. Or are we continuing to step out of the only place that we have choices, which is for ourselves and choosing to try to make somebody else be something different? Or can we accept them for exactly who they are and support them in healthy ways, which means letting them have their own consequences, not battling, making sure you're taking care of yourself first, your needs first, not being in reaction to their outbursts, but being in response from a healthy place. These are the controlling places that we have about ourselves. The reading goes on to talk about those of us who had alcoholism in our lives when we were younger, but don't have it in our lives now. And yet it helps set up patterns for us that we continue to play out in our lives if we haven't done soul recovery work, if we haven't really looked at that stuff on the inside. And it talks about how we can have low self-esteem, that we don't know how to deal with crisis, that we don't know how to do with conflict, that we want love and attention, but we look for it for people who aren't available. There's all these patterns that happen about how we sabotage ourselves. And we can perpetuate a variety of compulsive behaviors without even knowing that we're doing it because we haven't looked deeply at these old patterns that came from being raised or having a major interaction with addictive behavior or neglect at young ages. And so without reading on to the end, what I, what I want you to come away from this is that we can have inner peace regardless of the circumstances around us. Life is complicated. Relationships are complicated. Being human isn't easy. But there is a levity and an ease and a tenderness that can come regardless of what's happening around us, regardless of who's using or where we came from, when we personally make the choice to do this soul recovery work that is a spiritual path to a happy and healthy life, that we begin to lean more on our trust of our higher power, connecting deeply with that higher power energy and releasing our need to feel like we are responsible for other people's emotions, other people's happiness, other people's circumstances. And we begin to trust that we are whole. We begin to know that we are whole and that regardless of the people that were in our lives, our parents, our friends, our siblings, our bosses, all of those people are out there having their own experience, 
some more successful, some less successful, and that we choose, we choose whether we are going to be hurt. We can decide that we can look past some of these situations that have happened in our life and begin to unhook the emotional hooks that have kept us stuck, that have kept us from moving forward, that have affected our esteem, and that we can see ourselves for the beauty of who we are, who I believe higher power sees in you. And when we do that, healing happens, release happens. There is such incredible ability to be in the eye of a storm and have it be calm around you, and to be responding to situations, and watch the storm all around you, and to have compassion for the people around you who are hurting and struggling, and not have to step out into those choppy waters, to stay in the center of your own being. So it's important to understand the role that we play in the situation? Are we magnifying the problem or are we helping to calm the problem? Are we thinking that we're victims in this or are we seeing the strength of the choices that we have? Are we allowing the other person to be affected by their consequences? Again, those amazing detachment rules to not create a crisis or prevent a crisis. Are we staying in our lane? Are we being our best and wholest selves? Are we doing the work on ourselves? Are we turning the attention to ourselves? And then forgiving yourself. Forgiving yourself for the role that you have played that may not have been healthy in all of it so that you can move forward as you're forgiving all of those around you. The secret to real inner peace is deep forgiveness for everyone. Until next time, namaste. Are you wondering, how do I go deeper on my soul recovery journey? Or how do I support this great podcast? Well, here's your call to action. If you're ready for real inner change and would like to work directly with me, visit the website and book a coaching session. I'm here to support you on your unique path. I'm here to help you let go of the past, to deepen your connection with higher power, whatever that is for you, and then to discover and step into a happy and healthy life of your making. You can also become part of the Soul Recovery community. One way is to join the support group. It's the first Monday of every month. It's on Zoom from 6 to 7 p.m. Mountain Time, and you can register on the website and get your Zoom link. It's the same link every month. We are also on social media. Of course, there's Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, and now even Insight Timer. Yes, lots of ways to connect. There is even a private Facebook group that will allow you for more communication and conversation about soul recovery with your community. If you'd like an extra bonus episode every Friday, you can become an Apple Podcast subscriber or choose your tier level of giving on Patreon. I'd also love all the listeners to subscribe on the website so that I can keep you informed on what's going on with the podcast, the community, with me, and anything that's up and coming and new and great about soul recovery. 
Also, if you just take a little bit of time and give me five stars, a quick review, share the podcast with friends and family, make sure you're subscribing however you listen to the podcast. We're helping even more people to have soul recovery in their lives. If this podcast is providing you spiritual nourishment and inspiration, thank you, thank you, thank you for going to the website, pushing the donate button, and giving whatever feels right to you. It means so much to me because I have this mission of sharing soul recovery with the world and your donations, your bookings, your subscriptions, everything that you do to be part of this community is making all that happen. Together, we can do the work that will recover your soul. The Recover Your Soul podcast and its content is for educational purposes only and is not allied or representative of any organizations or religions. It's based on the opinions and experience of Reverend Rachel Harrison. Recover Your Soul claims no responsibility to any persons or entity for any liability, loss, damage, or cause alleged to be caused directly or indirectly as a result of its use. Applications or interpretations of the information represented herein. Take what you need and leave the rest.